evil dies tonight. This is the next episode, if you decided to keep listening in after our little double rant about Scream 5, I guess. <laughs> of our untitled podcast to this date. <laughs> um, once again, this is Clinton, and I'm joined here by Billy. And today, we are talking about Evil Dies Tonight. Evil Dies Tonight. And what I would call, personally, one of the worst ones of the entire series, 2021's Halloween Kills. Obviously, you have not seen 4, 5, H2O, Resurrection, or 6. So, uh, oh, I've this is seen them all, not and the I think one. this is one of the worst ones. I put this up here with the original one. This is how much I loved uh, this one. So, not because don't everybody's like, oh, it's a nostalgia fact. I'm like, no, I just thought it was excellently done. Um, yeah, okay, again, there's some stupid things that I didn't like about it, but like we talked on our first podcast is the things that they suspend disbelief what people do. Like the whole ending scene was dumb, okay? I admit that. On the street and then her going into a crime scene, all that happened. Yeah, that was dumb. But did that ruin the rest of the movie? No, not at all. I thought it was kind of cool. And there was some bad writing in there, I'm not going to lie. Like those uh, three little kids or whatever. There's yeah. some creepy man with a white mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that writing was bad. That was that was stupid. I just I don't know why they even had them in there, but but well, don't get me started on fucking Tommy Doyle. Oh my god! Wait, but hold on though. Do you know what's so cool about this though? Hmm. Um, the husband and wife nurse doctor couple. They were in the first one in a. Uh, they were in the background of a first shot. Uh, yeah, the they little, were in the uh, the law the big long long shot of Mike the POV shot almost of following Michael around the neighborhood. Yeah, and the little kids in the mask, same thing. They were in the first one. So I mean, I thought that was kind of cool continuity wise. This one did a very good job with that. Um, yeah, I did think it did do good with that because it does pick up like literally like sixty seconds later. So I was like, okay, yes, like you're you're keep you're doing good on this aspect, but they're just so. So much more that just completely lost me. And I thought the fireman scene in the beginning with him being locked in that room, that was another great continuity thing because we knew about that gun room. So they set that up that she had this big bolted protected room that she keeps all the guns in. And that's where Michael hood out, uh, hit out there in the fire. And that's how he survived. Yeah, because it was like um, at the end of Halloween 2018, it was very much like we intended to make this part one of two, but now that we really are not filming it back to back anymore, which was what the original plan was, we can make an ending that like, oh, this could be the finale ending like forever. Or you could think of it as like, oh, maybe he's hiding somewhere. They did a great job. Uh, um, and, you know, I was very skeptical about Danny McBride being, but he literally he stepped up. He yeah, stepped up. He did a good job. Everyone was really kind of scared about him and David Gordon Green because what they did together was Pineapple Express. And uh, down in uh, Eastbound and Out, or whatever it was called, that TV series. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're were, they were, they were all pure comedy. Uh, but again, like they say, in comedy comes from uh, angst and uh, depression and just a morbid thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i mean so they they literally came through with all that so now um basically like eh, i guess you could say like critique and success wise kills versus the original versus 18s so far what we're looking at for this new timeline of the series is we've got the original one from 1978 we got on imdb we got it a 7.7 .7 out of 10 87 out of 100 for the meta score on Rotten Tomatoes. We've got a critique score of 96%, which is wow for a horror film, and an audience score of 89%, which very much tracks. I love the original one a lot. I like, I like its simplicity. It's straightforward focus, not too much bullshit. 
Now no we've gore. got no gore at all. It's all suspense. Yeah. Now we've got the uh, moving on to 2018 on IMDb. We've got 6.6 .6 out of 10. Not the best, but also it's a lot higher rated than many of the other sequels. 67 for uh, Metascore. And on their Rotten Tomatoes, we've got a critic score of um, 79% and an audience score of 70%. So it's safe to say many people love, not love, but they liked the transition between the original one and the new one well enough to be like, hey, this is a pretty good movie. We enjoyed it. Now when we move on to Halloween Kills, is where it gets more divisive. On IMDb, uh, Halloween Kills sits at 5.6 out of 10, which is still more than some of the sequels. 42 out of 100 for a meta score. And then we go to Rotten Tomatoes, where we've got a rotten critic score of 40%. But then the audience score is now lowered, but still higher, at a 66%, which still shows a bit more of the divide of, yes, general audiences like this more than critics do, but also we've got the, oh, uh, we like it, but it wasn't as best as the previous one, but it was still good. But hold on, there is a there is two different things of people to drive that score down, which that's why sometimes you can't believe these scores of what people think, because like you brought up the whole gay thing in the movie, people were offended by that for whatever reason, which I don't know why. And then the open, there was a petition to get the whole fire scene removed and about to lower the score of the movie. So those two things were very active yeah. in trying to get that done. So that's why I said sometimes you can't believe the scores. Yeah. My uh, one critic friend full-on buys into more of the motivation for the killers in our, our previous episode when we talked about the killers of Scream 5. He more so buys into the fact of people like in toxic fandoms because as a professional film critic, of course, he's going to get flack for some of the things he critiques. And he did not give any too many good words to the new version of Dune very well on the internet. And he ended up getting death threats for it. So he's like, yeah, I totally see it believable that these toxic fans would want to redo something like they did in Scream because I've received death threats or shit I said about films before. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, it's out there. I guess I didn't mind that part, but I mean... Meanwhile, I mostly enjoyed Halloween 2018. Like, I, I felt it was out of, at that time when it first came out, out of all the films that are connected to John Carpenter's films and all the different timelines and shit, I personally thought it was one of the better sequels, if not the best sequel that we had ever gotten to the original Halloween up to that point. That was, that's where I stand with that I one. like this one that's much right. better. I like, I'll be honest with you, I like this one uh, way better than uh, 20, I like 2018 also, but I like this one uh, so much better. Granted, other Halloween fans, if they're listening, might tear into me a little bit when I say that my two favorite Halloween Don't films are Rob Zombie. I'm sorry, I'm just a Rob Zombie fan through and through. <laughs> but just one day we'll do a whole podcast on Rob Zombie's Halloweens. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that was just, oh yeah, we're not going to get me started on that because you know that can go off on a tangent forever on that. Mm -hmm. But going back to that, right, so here's, all right, so you're, are you, have you caught up and remember all the other Halloweens or no? No, I haven't done like a big, big rewatch yet, but I, I remember most key plot points. Granted, I wouldn't remember a character's name and be like, oh, I remember that this happened, but I couldn't tell you what the character's name was, stuff like that. And I know there were some references sprinkled out here and there with Halloween Kills, but other than that, I'm like, oh, I, I see it's a nostalgia thingy. But for me, 2018, the way they played their nostalgia, I felt like it was very natural and it flowed with the story that they're telling. And it was, it was naturally like worked into the plot line in a natural way. Like, okay, this works as to why we're talking about this or referencing this. This execution here works. But for me personally, when I was watching Kills, and it was for me nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia and the plot points they were trying to do and other metaphors they were trying to say to the audience. It just did not 
did not click for me. And some of the stuff that they were doing for me was very much of, oh, listen to this audience. See, look at this thingy right here. And then fully explain it to me. I'm like, no, like, no, that's no, don't, don't like that. <laughs> well, I mean, so, so people, so some people, um, when they talk about this one in 2018, what they still manage to forget is that these are actually direct sequels to the first one. Yeah. So the, the original storyline is Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, 6. Then it's Halloween 1, Halloween 2, H2O, Resurrection, and now currently <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> Halloween 2018, Halloween uh, Kills. Mm-hmm. This timeline, obviously, we don't get uh, the drunk John Carpenter storyline of Laurie Strode being Michael's uh, <clears throat> sister. So he wrote that drunk, I think he said drinking old style or PBR. One okay. nine came up with the whole storyline about just to make a sequel, and he's like, I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. But you can tell with this one, his score, actually you have to admit this, the score in the new Halloween movie is probably far better than any other score in any of the other movies. Yeah, I do like the past two films and what we are expected to see with Halloween Ends later this year is John is there as a consultant, like a producer consultant, not an actual producer, but also he's like the main composer with his son and their other composing partner and their music that they've been doing these past couple of films has been really fucking good. And I would love to see John Carpenter in concert the next time he goes on tour. Oh yeah, me, uh, you and me both. Because people don't realize how talented he is. He makes all the scores for us, like Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog. All these movies he has done the score for. Uh, Prince of Darkness, which is another good movie. Yeah, he walked away from writing and directing films because he's like, yo, I just like being a musician more than I do being a filmmaker at this point in my life. I'm going to stop being a filmmaker and just focus on my musician work because unlike um, Wes Craven that we mentioned in our Scream episode, how he's very kind-hearted. He's like, oh, I don't listen to those. I'm just going to brush it off and make my next film. Whereas John Carpenter was known for taking some harsher criticism a bit closer to his heart and that was part of the motivation of him coming out and saying yeah i'm not directing again i'm just gonna stick to music but i'm like hey i think your biggest talent is your music you are an awesome musician go all out go for it well let's let's talk about john carpenter for a second he is the only director that i know that has about five bombs under his belt that are now considered cult classics been reevaluated, and said they're excellent they live Great movie. The Thing, which we talked about in the first one. Another one. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Another one. Escape from L.A. Another one. These were all considered like, oh, these movies suck. But now is it a Ghost of Mars. Another one. All considered crappy when they came out. But now they're like, oh, wow. People are like, wow, these are actually good movies. And think about all the movies that Donald Loomis, or Donald, Donald Pleasance and him did. Besides Halloween, he played the president in Escape from New York. He also played in Prince of Darkness. So he, they had a good working relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Now, when Donald Pleasance first met John Carpenter, he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on in this movie set. <laughs> but, but Donald Pleasance also, you know, since it's filmed in L.A., there is no fall. Donald Pleasance would also be walking around, picking up leaves, putting them in bags for the next shot, and so on and so on. <clears throat> so he had an appreciation for the movies. And let's be honest, John Carpenter reinvented um, Donald Pleasance's whole career as his horror icon. Yeah. Like, it was like before Donald Pleasance was known as... Um... Blumfield. Dr. Evil, whatever his name is. Yeah, we have Dr. Evil, a parody of him, but yeah, he was Blumfield in the old um, Bond movies. Yes, that's it, yeah. And then also, he was in Bridge Over the River Kwai, so he was in all these other movies where he played, he just played these serious, like, British roles, nothing nothing quite like when Halloween came out. And I never expected a cameo of his character in Halloween Kills. Like, when I first saw the film in theaters on the weekend, I'm like, that's 
some nice deep fake CGI. Then you pointed out to me like, oh no, that was like a look like they found this added makeup on top of his face to make him more look like him. I'm like, oh, I see how it works, but also I did not want this scene. I thought it was CGI also. I thought it was actually Donald Pleasant's voice that they kind of like how they do now, but nope. This guy is a fantastic Donald Pleasant sound alike, and they had another guy who looked like Donald Pleasant. So two people played his character. Like when the scene popped up, and when I was watching the film in the theaters, I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then I was like, wait, no, we didn't. I, I did not want this scene. Because the way, for me, when his character was in that scene, and both scenes we sh see him in the first flashback at the beginning, and then the flashback later on to show when Michael got grabbed by the cops, the way that scene came off to me, with Loomis as a character in that scene, to me, it felt like some obscure caricature version of him, and it didn't feel like Loomis. He felt a little too fucking crazy, like even crazier than when he was on Halloween, like, Four and five. I'm like, what, five, what is four, this? Yeah. Like, five what? is when he went crazy. <laughs> oh, but let me tell you, all right, so my big head, so talking about flaws in movies, so you know how much I, if people don't know, Halloween is right up there. It's one of two of my favorite slasher films, which the other one is Friday the 13th Part 2. But now Halloween, he's outside the Myers house the whole time waiting for Michael to come home, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, hour after being out in front of that house or however long it was, because like, I don't know what the time lapse was, was I'm sure it was a long time, turns around, and there's sees the, fucking... the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, that was the only there's thing. There's your fucking like, oh, station wagon. <laughs> and I was like, okay, because in the beginning of the movie, Lori walked a block and a half to get to the Myers house. So why did they need a car to go an extra, to go like three blocks? <laughs> Also, that was just like a very, very low independent film at the time where it was like, you know what, we're just going to do whatever we can and put put it together. They didn't expect it to be as big, so like they had to overlook small details like that. But also my favorite part that I was like, oh, why is this character like a thing for 18 and kills was um, back in the old one where it's like the, the, the fucking kids are daring themselves to go into Meyer's house and... And he's like, hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Hey, Lonnie. <laughs> and now we have Lonnie as an adult in Halloween Kills. And that's how we now have his son is the boyfriend to Allison, um, Laurie Strode's granddaughter. And I'm like, okay. I the best that. kill scene The best kill scene in the movie was him. <laughs> the, oh, that fucking. If Michael didn't put him out of his misery, he would have been a vegetable the rest of his life. Yeah, he. Oh, my God. That was the absolute, I think, best kill scene in Halloween uh, Kills was that one. That was, talk about brutal, that was brutal, and yeah, that was hard to watch, but that was a good scene. One of my favorite scenes, not the kill, but the aftermath of the kill for Halloween Kills, actually was with um, Lori's neighbors, that uh, yes, older that couple, so the good. black woman and the, the one guy, was like, he stabbed her, like, now he's posed her over in the corner, and we get this camera shot where it's the, the depth of field, for people who are not, like, camera people, depth of field means what in the picture that you're looking at is actually in focus and what's blurry, and the depth of field concentrates just on her as the camera dollies as in turns around her to reveal like what we are hearing, which is like a stab, stab. And the camera pans around to over her shoulder and we still see Michael all blurred out. And he's just like, he's posed her husband on the table and he's making like this art form of like the knives in different places in him. I'm like, yes, there's Michael, him staging bodies. We actually get to see him stage a body. Now this is fucking cool. And I remember when I was watching the theater, I was very much like, keep the focus on her, keep the focus on her, as in keep Michael blurry, keep Michael blurry, keep him blurry. I was like, and they did it. I'm like, yes, yes. That scene is a win for me in the film. Like, that's one of the few wins the film has. I'm like, oh, I love that execution. But another thing that I didn't mind for with Halloween Kills was, sure, we are picking up right after 2018 Halloween, so we have to keep that momentum up. But at the same time, I think we get too much of Michael in Halloween Kills. We see too much of him at once. 
Whereas with 18 for the first like half of 2018 and John's original film from the 70s, you only ever see him in the distance or when you see him it's for a split moment as he's killing someone, etc. I like it when it's executed that way. Whereas with Kills, of for me, it was just too much, Michael. Uh, so here's the thing, too, with that, is that I would uh, <clears throat> I would agree with you because Halloween 2, even though it wasn't a John Carpenter movie, it was, uh, what, Rick Rosenthal, I think, directed it, who also directed okay. Resurrection. You didn't see Michael that much in that one either. You just saw bits and pieces like his face, this and that. But here, the one thing about Halloween Kills and this in, in Halloween uh, 2018, which I do like, after the original Halloween... Which when you saw the mask, you didn't see Michael's eyes. You just saw the mask. Mask was the only thing existed. But then Halloween 2, 4, 5, you saw us, and 6, you saw his eyes all the time. Yeah, you go back to these two, you don't, you just, it's just, yeah, it's just a white mask. Yeah, so this one is just the white mask. Again, because, which I think you can explain it better, what John Carpenter's vision of what Michael Myers was. He was just an idea. Yeah, the boogeyman, he was just, he, it could have been anybody, anything. Just happened to be this poor kid when he was younger. And that's one thing I liked when um, Dan McBride and David Gordon Green were talking about when they were making 2018 was like, oh, we want to follow that aspect where it's like, it's this guy who just goes around killing people who's like empty inside. And we want to keep that up. That's just this man who's empty. And we don't want him to be like some like big supernatural like slasher villain or whatever. We want to keep him as this man, the shape. I'm like, okay, yes. But then when and that I was the point about not kills, having the eyes, because yeah. the eyes gives a personality yeah. to the character. You take away the eyes, it's just this blank, empty face and mask, which I thought was kind of cool. But then for me, with Halloween Kills, all of a sudden, I felt like they backtracked a little bit, and by the end of the film, he became something supernatural. I'm like, but you, you said you didn't want to do that. Now we're going the supernatural route, where it's like Laurie's line that made me fucking eye roll in the film theater was, the more he kills, the more he transcends. And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she does, here's the thing. That's her talking. So you got to put it in like a grain of salt, because mm -hmm. she she's a she's a fucking nut job. She went crazy. She thought she thought oh some guy is just out there to stalk me. Blah 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 blah. No, he's like obsessed with me. She thought this. She went so crazy her whole life because some guy killed her friends that she literally thought he was out after her. So she went berserk and went crazy all about this. Which I thought that was a great thing to do with her character was to make her yeah. think that some guy actually wants to kill her, which wasn't true. And he never would have escaped. Nothing ever would have happened if it wasn't for that stupid doctor in uh, Halloween. That, that, those are the moments I liked with um, 18 and mostly on this one was, oh, he's after me. And then Allison and them were like, no, he's not. It was like, it was his doctor. He nothing to do with you. And I'm like, okay, fine. thank you for saying that out loud for the new timeline. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, do you know? I so hold on. The granddaughter, yes, knew this. The daughter despised, hated, and blamed her mother for her husband's death. You brought Michael here. Your fault. Then that scene in the hospital room when the daughter go, the granddaughter goes, "No, he wasn't after you. It was the doctor." And Doctor Hawkins said that to Lori too. But her daughter did not want to believe it. Her daughter kept blaming her for everything. My mom brought him here. My mom did this. So. I thought that was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, when, in horror films, when someone's killed, everything is status quo, blah, blah, blah. But in this one, it's like, my husband was killed. It's your fault, mom. You're the nutcase. You're the reason my husband's dead. Remember when I they had the talk on the- I just rewatched it. Huh? I just rewatched Kills like uh, a few days ago, and I didn't feel that at all coming from Judy Greer's character. That oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't feel it. When they're sitting on the stairs, he's talking to her daughter, to Allison. She's like, um, she's like oh, you know, your mom, uh, your grandmother brought him here. Your, your father's dead. So when they're talking on the stairs, she's even telling her, her daughter, this is your grandma's fault. She told the policeman 
My mom brought him here. He's here because of my mom. So she was blaming her mom, all these little like one out, one in, one outs with these different people, kept blaming Lori, her mom, for everything. Yeah, I'll have to go back again if I decide to rewatch it again. <laughs> and that's what, that's, what, that's what I liked about it was that was the fact that they put this whole angst between these two now. I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, and contrary to popular beliefs, I know quite a few people didn't like the fact that Laurie Strode character was in the hospital bed almost the entire time. I like that. As did I. I love that. And I think her and Hawk and then bringing up, oh, I was always sweet on, or I liked you, but you were always sweet on Ben Tramer. Another throwback mm -hmm. to Halloween. So I thought that was kind of cool. I actually just found out that during a test screening, like after they just finished filming Kills, like right before the pandemic started, they filmed it. Um, they did a test screening of one of the first rough cuts. And apparently one of the things that came out was um, there's more stuff from that scene we don't even get to see in the extended cut from their little exchange. And and in some way, one of the lines was supposed to insinuate that maybe Hawkins was Karen's biological father. I'm like, eh, too many subplots. I'm glad yeah, that would have been, been too much for this one, but, you know. That was one of the complaints about 2018. Uh, some people were like, oh, it's good, but I feel like there's just too much subplot compared. Because, like, the original film was just very simple guy stalking people. That's all it was. Yeah. And then, and actually, so I did not respect that Dr. whatever his character was in 18. But mm -hmm. then I realized, okay, they needed him here because they wanted to let everybody know that, no, Michael doesn't give a fuck about Laurie Strode. His whole no, life isn't to kill another, Lori Strode at all. She's just he an, doesn't care. Yeah, she's just another like heart-beating body for him to massacre. And the only reason why he was after Lori Strode and following her in the first one is because she invaded his house. Yeah, when and, she slipped yeah. through the mail slot, the keys. Yep. Uh, and then that was it. She invaded his house and she saw him walking with uh, Tommy and then he started stalking Tommy. So and I thought that whole scene was cool um, when the kids are making fun of Tommy in the first one. Then they come run the jump scares when he comes running out and the kid runs into Michael and you see a quick of the, the mask. The first time you see the mask, boom. Real quick shot in the daylight of the mask. I thought that was so cool. And the terrified look on the kid's eyes when he ran the other way. I thought that was a great shot by John Carpenter in the first one. Yeah. Funny enough, when I um, did my first rewatch of Halloween Kills just a few days ago, granted, this has been months since it came out in theaters. That was the last time I saw it was opening weekend. And just a few days ago, since it just came out on disc, I saw the extended cut. And I remember messaging you about 13 minutes into the movie. And I was like, I already disliked this movie more than when I first watched it. Because <laughs> like, there was this one spot that just really like irked me because the execution of it was just so poor to me was during that prologue that takes place that same night back in 1978 is when Lonnie is like walking home by himself and all of a sudden he sees Michael by the hedge line. He's just looking. Mike, I thought that was cool. They do that I same like thing that. where he disappears behind the hedge line. Like the execution for me was just look like a fan film. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this guy? <laughs> I thought that was like, a, that was a, that was a, a tribute to the original where Michael hid behind the bushes. Yeah. But I'm like, it just, it, to me, it was not executed well. It looked like a, Looked like some student film. I'm like, what is this? That's how it felt with most of the flashback scenes up until, um, like, when the first prologue happened in the 1970s with the young Hawkins after Michael escaped um, his the house that Laurie was babysitting at, all that stuff like that. Um, I thought I was like, okay, this is this is nice. We're getting like some of this of like this scene that Hawkins referenced in 2018 that everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like. We finally get to see the scene. Yeah. But the thing that it like kind of flips for me was when they enter 
the Myers house. I don't know who did this, whether it was David or his cinematographer, but I would have emulated the exact same camera style as the original film to make it feel like, oh, we're back in the original movie. But instead, because in the original film, when Loomis and then Sheriff Brackett were in the house, it was like almost pitch black and you can only see the moonlight coming in through the window with like the whole like dead dog on the floor and you've also got the, the uh, rain guard come down, smash the window. But when we get into the house during this prologue, it's like fucking spotlit in there and it's like so bright. I'm like, huh? And then the moment when Michael attacks that one other deputy yeah. who apparently is some big horror director I'd never heard of. Um, all of a sudden it's like, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, da 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 I'm like, what the hell is this editing? Like, I can't see what the fuck I'm looking at. Like, in this, and it was totally different from the previous film too, so it's kind of thrown off. I'm like, oh, whoa, what, what? It's the same filmmaker, the same editor. I'm like, what's this? Whoa, I, I kind of got thrown out of my seat for a moment, but not in a good way. I'm like, but oh, here's whoa. the thing though, but the detail wise, you still had the exact same gutter that smashed the window was there. The dog on the yeah. ground, the house looked almost identical. I mean, the set design was perfect, but I think yeah. the other execution points just did not work for me. All right, so let's stay in the Myers house. Let's fa flash, uh, fast forward, obviously, to Halloween Kills now um, to present day. I thought it was cool and it made sense because that is something gay people would do, is take a house where something horrible happened and make it cool and <laughs> kitschy. I, I overheard um, from another podcast I listened to, like it's another group of gay guys who like to talk about like just films in general, and I remember one of them felt like it was a really bad stereotype, the caricature of gay people in the film. And I'm like, I can see your perspective there, but I'm like, it's it's okay. Like I had fun I didn't with think it at all. I thought it was cool. I mean, I know gay guys like that. <laughs> I know a lot I, I mean, of gay I guys do like too. that. So it, it applies to some, but not all of us, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, here's the thing. It's like if you watch Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, oh, uh, Carson Kressley, oh, he's queenie as hell. How dare you do that? But it's like, okay, but guys are like that. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, so you have to pick, you can't really like, because I mean, there is not one gay person out there that represents all gay. There's all different kinds. So I love the fact that whole scene with those guys. Yeah. I also never expected to get like um, minor characters in a Halloween slasher movie to be gay characters and that nonetheless married gay characters. I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't expect this coming. Like, oh, this is a nice little treat. Okay. What's funny is that Danielle Harris, when um, Tony Moran went off on that huge thing where he called gays and all that stuff. She brought him on her podcast on her channel and said, I hope you do know Halloween has the biggest gay fan base out of any of these horror films. And you saying that insulted our heavy fan base. Mm -hmm. So that being said, that's why I think these characters also were thrown in because Tony Moran was supposed to be in the movie, but they did his flashback. They cut his face off. Yeah, because he also wanted like an exuberant amount of money to have the, the rights to his face for that shot. Well, then he said John Carpenter beat up Deborah Hill and then... Um, Jamie Lee Curtis slept with everybody on the set, so he was not, yeah, he, he, he screwed himself on that, but um, the gay characters were good, and I'm glad, and if you notice too, you had the elderly biracial couple, but yeah. the thing in this movie, which was good, they didn't force anything, they just let it naturally, like, oh, this is what's natural, these couples are natural, it's not, and, and uh, gay couples are natural, it's like yeah, all this stuff is natural, any... they didn't like... Make it, so they didn't have any expository dialogue, which was nice. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it's just natural dialogue, and we can, based on their posture and their body language next to each other, we can tell what the situation is between them without them having to say it out loud for the audience. Those moments did work, but then with a lot of other moments in the film, like the mobs stuff and some other stuff, they just had to like explain it out to the audience. I'm like, but you didn't do it with these situations. Why are you doing it now? I think we're okay enough to understand what is actually going on. Okay, so you said you didn't like Tommy Doyle. Did you know this story, though? 
They they actually went to Paul Rudd and asked oh, yeah, him if did. he wanted to do the role. He's like, no. He's like, he's like, well, it had nothing to do with money. He it had nothing to do with money because he would have done the movie. I can't remember the reason why he didn't do it, but he actually, I think, I believe he talked to um, Anthony Michael Hall about doing the role and all that, like wished him luck and all that. So that's what shows you how kind of a cool dude Paul Rudd is. And one of the um, one one of the producers who helped with this project, who also worked on the old ones, um, his other thing with not having Paul Rudd back was, uh, yeah, at this point in his career, he's a bit maybe too much of an A-list actor to be a subplot character in a horror film like this. Like he would be maybe be a bit too distracting to. A, today's audience of Halloween because with the new movies what they're trying to do is reintroduce the series to like the much younger generation but now this much younger generation knows Paul Rudd as Ant-Man from the MCU so they felt like it would have been too much of a distraction away from the actual plot of the film if people would just be like oh there's there's Ant-Man ah, not pay attention to the story I'm like I see that I don't know Paul Rudd is such a great actor um, he I, mean, is. I mean the movie I Love You Man with him and Jason Segel such a good I mean <clears throat> he's he's he can do anything. Paul Rudd is like a fantastic. Him and Jason Bateman, fantastic, and Sudeikis. Oh, those three are like my new favorite actors right now because they all have like roles all over the place. Now just get Jason Bateman into like a psychological horror film where he plays basically the character he plays in Ozark. Gold. <laughs> oh, just so you know, so the new Halloween, there's a there's a, a fan petition to get Danielle Harris into the next movie. I mean, she she's come out and said that she wants to come back. Like she'll yeah, be in she, three different timelines if she does come back. <laughs> well, they screwed over in part six uh, because they said, oh, we want you to be in part six because part six, she was like 17 years old at that time, but they wanted to pay her scale and have her pay her for her own plane ticket to get out to film the movie. Mm-hmm. So because like, by yeah, that time they were making those, because like by the time they're making those sequels, those sequels are made on like change. Just like pocket changes, what those movies are made on. Yeah. So she was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna. Like, I'm not gonna do that." But she did. She did say that she loved coming back to play instead of um, Lori's daughter. That she got to come back and play her best friend Annie for Rob's movie. She's like, "I just love to be in these movies. I don't care. Like, I'm have fun making them. I want to come back and I enjoy it." And she loves the fan base. Let me tell you, she absolutely, incredibly loves the Halloween fan base. Uh, that's what we should try to get on here is talk to Daniel Harris. That'd be awesome. Yeah, like like the Halloween fan base made her career, so she's forever grateful. But so going, so here we go. Opening of Halloween, you didn't like, you thought, you remember, you originally told me the filming was hokey, you didn't like it. Is that still pretty much, is that still pretty much your opinion on that? You didn't like the... Yep, yep. Okay, see, I, on the other hand, I did like it. I thought it, it captured the 70s very well. The only thing I didn't like about it is the second flashback they did when Hawkins was telling him why Michael wasn't killed that night. Yeah. That was dumb because you had all these people surrounding him, all these police, Donald Pleasants, all these guys, they're going to shoot, but all of a sudden, all he does is take... Dr. Loomis's uh, gun away and no one else shoots Michael Myers. I thought that, that was kind of, I thought that was kind of lame. I, I will be honest, that part was kind of lame. That one was very much like theatrical, like, oh, stage play theatrics is what it kind of felt like to me. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, and then they did a reference later in the movie where um, Sheriff Brackett says, if I wasn't home until my wife or daughter was dead, I would put a bullet in his head. So yeah, it's it was interesting. Uh, I mean, not interesting. That was that that part. I thought was kind of lame. One of the lines that I two oh two lines, not just one line, two lines because they just did not work in this film. Come from um, former sheriff Brackett is when spoilers again for people who didn't fucking see this movie. When the mentally ill guy who is somehow mistaken by the fucking crowd that is Michael commits suicide, 
And Brackett has this like expository line to basically us, the audience, if we didn't figure it out by now. He's turned us into the monsters. I'm like, yeah, thanks for saying that. We, we get that. And then also the other line was, again, it's like, oh, it's a cool nostalgia line because it's the same line he said in the original film. But I'm like, it doesn't work here. Is when the mob confronts Michael at the climax. And he's basically like, it's Hall- hey, Hall- Michael, or something like, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare before attacking Michael. I'm like, as if Michael wouldn't have started already attacking people by the time he didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah, but that was, a, that was an homage to his original line to Laurie in the first one. Yeah, and I'm just like, he's also... It's also been 40 years. He wouldn't remember what he said back then. <laughs> no, I'm not saying he he was... I'm not saying he... Yeah, I'm just saying he said it just for the... That, that was more of a fan thing. Yeah, that would that just didn't work for me. There was a lot of moments when I was watching this in theaters that just took me out of my viewing experience. Like, took me out completely. And I was just like, oh. Okay, I'm still watching a movie. Uh, hmm. All right, so Marion Chambers. Her and um, Jamie Lee Curtis are two people that got to be in multiple Halloween films and both killed on screen. But Marion Chambers is the only one killed on screen twice. Yeah. <laughs> also, oh my God. Hey, Michael, this one's for Dr. Loomis. Gun empty. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that was so cool, though, when he killed the one girl. He kicked, he pushed the door open and the gun blew her head off. That was kind of cool, though. Yeah, but I'm also like, you waited until he already stabbed the nurse and your husband before he started to walk back to the car and try to shoot him, though. <laughs> Kicks the door open and the gun, her wrist breaks and the gun shoots her in the face. Probably unrealistic to happen in real life, but it was just such a cool kill scene. <laughs> and then, like, just the entire time that Tommy was on screen, I'm just like, I just don't like him. This is a bad character now. Like, I can't root for this character. Like, I granted, like, there was a reason why you didn't want to root for him later on in the film. But for the entire time, I didn't like him. I'm like, mm, something here is not working because I'm supposed to grow into like, no, wait, don't do that to the character. But the entire film, I was just like... I don't care. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, there was, and then the, the part, I will say, which when they had their, I don't know if I'm using the word right, their little cathartic moment, when they're in the car, oh yeah, look at Michael's going home. And the three of them, why, why wouldn't they call the cell phone, hey Tommy, we're over at Michael Myers' house, by the way, because he's probably over here. So then all of a sudden, all the crap happens in the house, and then all the people are outside the block over. Because it's Karen when she's talking um to Tommy right before they leave the hospital, it's Karen's idea of, oh, we should go check the Myers house. <laughs> she doesn't say it out loud, but it's more like, Tommy, can I, can, like, can we use your car? I got a, I got an idea. And then by the time we see her again, she's saving Allison at the house. So it's like, okay, so she knew to go there, but Tommy didn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, that was kind of, and Tommy grew up right around the corner from there, so. And like, I, I see like how some people may have been like, um, like the, this, this film is very, very divisive amongst the Halloween fans. I've, I've seen where it's very much divisive of, oh, I really didn't like it at all, like me, and you, who were like, oh, I really fucking love this movie. It's very split down the middle with the fan base. No, it, to- it totally is. And the thing is, is that, okay, again, I think a lot of people cannot get over the fact, and just what I want to go over real quick, they can't get over this fact is that, okay, Halloween 1 and 2, Back-to-back movies made back then were good movies. In Halloween 2 was a great companion. Was it the best companion possible? No. But it was a very good companion to part one. Then four, five, and six come along. Royally sucked. They, they had their good moments, but they were not that good of movies. And then, hey, Jamie Lee Curtis goes, oh my God, I've been in the show business for 20 years since I made my first movie. I want to do another Halloween. It's my 20th anniversary. 
So here comes H2O. So now it goes Halloween 1, 2, H2O. And she told a story about how she made the commitment to do resurrection and how they, uh, did you hear that? So you saw H2O, correct? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear the story of why she did H2O? And uh, I mean, besides the fact that she wanted to do it, but then she was going to back out because I said, oh yeah, we're not going to kill Michael. She's like, I'm not doing the movie then. She's like, I'm not going to do the movie. Oh no, you have to. It's already in production. It's already, we already, he's like, nope, not gonna, if Michael lives, I'm not going to do the movie. So they go to Mustafa Khan, right? He's like, I got an idea. She cuts off his head thinking it's Michael. Yep. <laughs> and that's sure. how the whole scene got done. And she said, fine, I'm going to cut off his head. It's Michael, but then she agreed to come back for the second movie only if she's killed because she wants to do this anymore. Yeah, so that's why um, she when she was killed. signing her um, uh, contracts for Halloween 20 years later, there was a stipulation in her contract of like possible sequels because they're like, yeah, we've already made a million sequels of this. We probably will make another one. So here's this preliminary clause in your contract if you do want to come back for this film because you're this actress, stuff like that, and the film is as successful, we want you back for at least like something of the sequel so it was Jamie that was like, no, no, no. If I come back for another one, you're making this roll down to just like just just a little bit of a roll. Like I, th this is my like. Sure, it's like an anniversary. Like oh, it's like a big anniversary sequel. Blah 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 blah. But she's like, I don't want to stay. Like I'm just here to be here for this one and make a really good one. Like one more that's really good. I don't want to come back for multiple. Well, here's what I don't like about all right, so <clears throat> the, the the writing in the Halloween movies, the 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 ones like 20, 30 years ago. The monologues really suck. Halloween 4 comes out. They're going to pick up Michael from the asylum, right? The guy's like, oh, yeah, Michael killed 17 people 10 years ago. No, he didn't. Your numbers are way off. So <laughs> Halloween Resurrection comes out. Oh, last year, Michael killed four students and you know, this at the school, blah, blah. Like, no, he didn't. He killed two students and a teacher. That was it. So it's like, why did they change everything up? I just hated that they did that. I hated that they, they, they rewrote the monologue and changed the previous movies. It's like, no, that's not what happened. We're not dumb. Or why, in the monologue, why do you change the whole description of the previous movie? Yeah. So I will give you, see, the new ones did not do that. The new ones stayed on target. And what happened to the two people that went to go see Laurie Strode feeding into her mind that Michael was after her because they have for sensationalism podcasts, this, that, or their shows. They're, so that fed into the fact of Laurie actually thinking also that this guy was after what made her crazy and nuts. So I thought that was kind of cool in 2018. And then this new one, again, I really do think they did an excellent job with a lot of the continuity. Again, going back to, like I said, in the last podcast and this one, we have to suspend disbelief. There's a couple of times the disbelief I had a hard time suspending. You see a bloody handprint on your house, inside your house. You're not going to call the police. You're not going to grab like a big ass weapon. <laughs> well, they don't call the police. It's like... Someone you hear somebody upstairs, and you split. Uh, that's why I don't like the whole splitting up upstairs. Like my, my, if I saw a bloody handprint on my back door and hear footprints upstairs, I'm going out the front door into the street out front. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, but the, I will tell you um, the cutest part about that whole scene: those guys getting killed, which is not them being killed, was how he staged the bodies. Oh yeah, he staged them like they're one photo that's on the nightstand. But reverse though, because the one because it was the opposite way in the photo. But that's one that's one attention to de detail I have liked about their execution with the Michael Myers character of 2018s and kills is him always being playful with how he puts the bodies around, just like yes. how he's very playful in the original film, especially with the headstone 
with um, Laurie's friend, like his sister's headstone, and, and the uh, other one in the Lewis, closet. Yeah. <laughs> like he's theatrical. <laughs> no, you're right. It was. I mean, um, and then the mood with the song that was playing. I'll have this dance for the rest of my life. He puts the song on. So yeah. I thought that was cool, and that, and that, that to me is like, well, why would you hate that? Because it shows Michael's not a homophobe. Oh my god! <laughs> he didn't kill him because they were gay. He actually liked them. He staged them like that after he killed him. Put, I'll have this dance the rest of my life. <laughs> also, it's a little funny, like giggle nod, like, oh, that, that that's really dark humor right there. Yes, and I thought that was done great. You can thank the director and his co-writer for that, Danny McBride. <laughs> yeah. And these two guys that played together, I mean, they're, they're both comedic actors, but they did such a great job. Of being, I mean, I, I just thought, and then put, I got a new favorite song now. When they yeah. first, the witches in the brood in the big black fat. <clears throat> and the other guy, famous for Mad TV and all his roles and all mm-hmm. that, so. Stay away from my danger zone. Yes, and he, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, so I mean, I thought, I didn't mind that scene at all. Uh, I thought the fireman kill scenes were awesome. I thought that was that that was that was so early into the film that when they was Michael's already doing that kind of shit with all those firemen and then him being a character who has been in mental institution his entire life and of course you're in a mental institution you don't have time to work out then he's like lifting someone up by like one arm like four feet off the ground like in a firefighter's gear which is at least like another like hundred pounds in the body and I'm like at that moment in the film I was like. All right, I'm in for a ride that I'm not going to like. <laughs> but don't forget, he is possessed. <clears throat> like, at the end of the original Halloween, Donald Pleasance goes up to John Carpenter. When I look down there and don't see him, do I have a disbelief in my face? Or do I have, yep, I'm not surprised. And John Carpenter said, I want you to get both looks at the same time. And, Don, and uh, Donald Pleasance did such a great job. When you saw the look on his face, it was like, mm-hmm. he gives like, oh, fuck, where'd he go? And then he also gives like, yep. I knew it. You saw both looks at once in his face. For me, it was kind of just like a subconscious, like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, literally, Michael is a boy. Because they, they, they said the whole thing. He was, he, since he was six years old, no rhyme, no reason. Boom. Possessed. Maybe that's just why, as like a horror person, maybe that's just why I like Zombies Timeline. Because in Zombies Timeline, he's just a sadistic serial killer which could play off if it was if that if this films were made like seven ten years after they were actually made and made during the past few years of everyone being obsessed with like true crime movies and true crime documentaries maybe his films would have done better because they fit to that audience a lot more but i guess because part two all of a sudden laurie gets possessed and puts the mask on and walks out well she didn't get possessed it was supposed to show that she had the same whatever genetic psychological disorder that michael could have carried which was i just yeah i mean that's that the original one could have been better but he just him and his having his wife in there and all this kill for me michael kill for me i just it was just i didn't i just didn't uh, like the way he directed it he he was more into the nudity the gore not the storyline it was more just one-liners this and that and just it was just more instead of making it more intense he made it just which you said you liked was the the violenceness of it but there was no there was no tenseness in this movie in his movies at all. There just wasn't one one other aspect that I've heard people critique with like um zombies work, especially um his two Halloween films, is like how they how he portrays uh pe- many of the residents of like the greater Hattonfield area, like everywhere in and around Hattonfield. Because like in his ones, I feel like Haddonfield is a very, very small town, maybe like seven 8,000 people like much smaller than what you feel with Carpenter's films and the way zombie did it where it's like he's like 
yo, like this is like a tiny little town in the Midwest. And like, cause like one of the big critiques of zombies work, it's like, oh, it's like all like white trash people, white trash dialogue. I'm like, do you know I didn't small mind towns that, that of small the Midwest? Town is like that. I'm like, a I, lot of small towns are like that. Yeah. I'm like small towns in the Midwest. I grew up in small towns in the Midwest. They're like that here. So that's not against disbelief. <laughs> no, he, you know, that, that part I didn't mind. Uh, because I'm like, okay, you know what? Um, I've been to Southern Illinois. <laughs> people are like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, not to rip on Southern Illinois because there's a lot of people not like that. So disclaimer, <laughs> I, have fam- I have family in Southern Illinois. So, uh, but that being said, it's like the rest of it, not so much. Mm-hmm. Halloween 6 had great kill scenes. And the look of Michael Myers <clears throat> was probably the better look out of all the sequels besides part one and two. Because he was better than uh, 4 and 5. He was better than H2O and better than Resurrection. And the guy who played him reminded me of Nick Castle. He didn't walk that crazy slow. He walked fast. Boom, boom, boom. So that part of part 6, I like Paul Rudd brought a lot to the movie. I liked his character as Tommy Doyle. But outside of that, yeah, 6 was pretty shitty. Like I said, the timelines, if you're not familiar with them, um, obviously 1 and 2, Jamie Lee Curtis was too big of a star to come back uh, to do. She was doing A Fish Called Wanda and all that stuff. She just got through doing Trading Places three years earlier, so there was no way they were to get her back. <clears throat> and at the time, she said she never wanted to do another horror film again. So you get this part four of her daughter. Michael, super dad, has to kill relatives. He wants to kill his bloodline. So that just made it stupid right there. Uh, and the kill scenes in part four were really bad. And then part five all of a sudden started with a cult. And it turns out the doctor that was controlling Michael was the doctor from part one who talked to Dr. Loomis. Did you know that or no? I didn't pick up on that part. But then again, I haven't seen uh, part five in like 15 years. Yeah, so the doctor who talks to Dr. Lewis is like, oh, how, how would you, you don't know where he's going, uh, Sam, blah, blah, blah. He's like, that, that doctor who sells those lines, that's the doctor who let Michael out of the hospital. That's their whole thing. He let him out of the hospital to do this and do that. So that's how the storyline of part five happened. And then six garbage. So that one bombed. Then they did Jamie Lee Curtis's of one, two, H2O on Resurrection. H2O wasn't awful, but it's like... Yeah, we've got Kevin Williamson coming into the screenplay back because he was the big hot shot in Hollywood at the time for how successful Scream was. But my thing is, is how the fuck does Michael Myers, in the same car that he steals, gets all the way to California without having to stop to fill up gas? And also in H2O, he doesn't have his eyes gone and he's not all burned up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Like, uh, none of them, he, like part five, the, the mask reveal on part five, the mask comes off, and they make him sexy. And she goes, oh, your eyes are just like mine. <laughs> Dude, the guy's body was burned. His eyes got shot. And so, yeah, that was just kind of bad. So, yeah, that, that's why these movies were really hard to I like. I just watch them because they are Halloween movies just to see Michael Myers on screen because I like the character. Movies are bad. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of H2O. Resurrection had its moments. They had some pretty decent kill scenes. Then it kind of got lame toward it. So... When the new Halloween came out, I was excited about the new ones. And maybe that's why I like Halloween Kills so much because it didn't divert to crazy stuff like 4, 5, 6 or H2O and Resurrection did. I'm guessing that's probably, there's the answer probably why I like it because they could have screwed it up so bad like the other ones did. For me, it was honestly still a big screw up. I can't get, I, there's so much stuff I just, I, I, I personally can't get past where I'm like, I just... Oh, I just really did not like it at all. And I was like really sad that I don't like it. I'm like, I wish I would have liked this as much as 2018s, but I just don't. And now but you I'm told just me like, a it... lot of it was the dialogue that Lori was saying. The thing is, you got to remember now two things. One, you got to remember that she's nuts. She went crazy. She thought some random guy, her whole life was after her. And she thinks she knows Michael. 
So it's not her telling the truth. That is Lori. That's thinking what she's going inside her head. And everybody around her is like, no, bitch. No, no. I also felt that the whole like mob thing was like, to me, it was the film trying to feel like it was smarter than it actually was when it, the result of doing that, it just wasn't smart at all. No, that was the in-your-face politics of today's culture. That's probably, and I told people, that's why you don't like it. It was in-your-face like, in mob mentality. It was no political side. It was no left, no right. It was... It was really bad execution for it. I'm like, there could have been a better path for this. I can't quite put to words what that path would have been. But it just felt like they missed the mark. And by the way, that, that kid was also, that, that crazy guy was also in part, in the, the, I don't know if you know that, that crazy guy was also in 2018. Yeah, like we saw him in the opening prologue in the asylum. Yeah, so, so they did a great job with that as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to throw that yeah, out too. But, but no, I was like, I feel like it would have been like, I, like, I understand what they were trying to do, but for me, it just wasn't executed properly. I'm like, I can see why you would go this route, X, X, Y, and Z of what you would want to do, but the execution... And his mother riding around it just did not work. And also, this film is, in the years after this is going to be looked back on as very cheesy, especially with the whole mob. People are going to look back and just laugh at it. Honestly, look back like, "Oh, look at this! This was funny!" Like, "Wow, I I see now how this is all funny now." Evil Die Snight is repeated like fucking thirty well, times. But well, again, let's think about this. I know there was in your face um, <clears throat> them doing that, but literally they were just saying, "Hey." All you people that bully people because you think something. It's just society. It's not even just, it's just people in general. It's not even a political, it's people in general jump on, blame somebody, can hurt somebody. And I get what they were trying to do. It's like, listen, we're going to put our own little political thing in here and not make it obvious, but it was beyond obvious. But yeah, it was too obvious. To and me. That's, that's why people didn't like it. Is they saw themselves and they like, oh my God, have I ever accused somebody of something without knowing the facts and something bad happened? I mean, that that's... That's part of what's happening in our life now. And I think they did an excellent job of showing that, yeah, granted, it was, it, was, it was cringy to watch. It was hard to watch. And the only part I didn't like about that was Tommy Doyle and all these people uh, saw Michael was a tall man, thin man. He wasn't a five foot five rotund guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that's why Brackett was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> He's like, this is not Michael. What are you doing? This is not, yeah. And then like that very end like climax like mob scene where they're beating the shit out of him and it was it was a good like hurrah moment that Judy Greer's Karen got to say quote unquote the final blow of putting like his butcher knife into like his upper spine I'm like oh yeah that's a cool heroic moment for her. I see the symbolism that it's Michael's knife going into him for the final kill etc cetera, etc cetera. but I'm also like grab a gun put three caps in his head he's not coming back and then they play off the whole supernatural thing that the more people it's implied that what Laurie is saying is when they jump cut back and forth between Laurie saying the more people he kills, the more he transcends. When they jump back and forth of that, the way they're trying to tell the audience is, oh, no, look, he gets stronger with each person he kills. So there is a supernatural element to this. And now he's going to just massacre like this group of like 12 people all of a sudden at the end of the film, even though he's like in his mid 60s. And I'm just like, there was a better for me, there was a better way you could have done this. And this just. This wasn't it. And also for me, I feel anyway, like... he was 61, sir, not mid-60s. Well, I also feel like it was a bit more of like just like a... To me, like a cop-out for a sequel only because when David Gordon Green and um, Dana McBride were first pitching this film around after Blumhouse bought the rights from when the wine scene company went under, they were like, oh, we want to make a two-part like sequel to the original one and it all takes place in one night, just like how the original one and the original second film did. 
when they got ready to get ready to film, Blumhouse, they were kind of hesitant based on the box office of Zombie's second film wasn't the best. So they're like, well, maybe we'll play it safe and we're just film the one, part one for now. We'll see how it goes. And then it opens up to be the biggest opening weekend for any slasher film in cinema history and these huge reviews coming out and shit like that. So then Blumhouse is like, you know what? We're contracting you guys for two more movies. Stretch it out. So for me, this ending was very much like, oh, we got to stretch this out to like one more movie that we're, since we're contractually obligated to. It's how it felt to me. I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's like Tommy's dead. Karen's dead. Um, Lee Brackett is dead. <laughs> so basically the only like other major characters that we have that we know that are going to be sticking as like the main characters for the next one so far are Lori, her granddaughter Allison, and Hawkins um, and, Hawkins and um, um, Kyle Richards' character. Yeah, Lindsay. Like Those are like the main four that'll be like the central focus of the next movie they announced because they announced that Kyle Richards yeah, she's back in even maybe a bigger role this time around for the next movie. So let me, uh, it's a, two things. One, Kyle, Kylie Richards, the funny thing about her she stopped doing her Botox for this movie so she could look like she's supposed to. Remember, <laughs> I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Really get into the role. <laughs> Secondly, let's talk about the next movie because you and I have had this discussion. With all the day and age of everything, I know how you said you liked Rob Zombie's version about he just hit out in Barnes, did this. That was before all the technology we have now. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. It can happen in a big city, big this. Haddonfield's only a couple hours away from Chicago. They can do something better that Friday the 13th screwed up on of Jason Goes to Manhattan. They can literally do some cool thing about Michael being in Chicago because it's now three years after that night. What's her name would be a junior in college and that's going to take place during the pandemic. So they have a lot of opportunities they can do if they did something in Chicago with this. I think it would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, I feel like, though, with Blumhouse and them seeing how much they have capitalized in the last two being so nostalgia-driven and the response that they got from that, that I feel like Blumhouse, keep it in Haddonfield. I feel like that's going to be... I don't want them to do it, but I think that's what's going to happen. So I think anything is possible what they can do, but I would love to see Michael Myers in Chicago. And with the trust me, with the murder rate here and all the violence, he would go unnoticed. <laughs> Also, Chicago is just our favorite city, so we want to see anything take place in Chicago. <laughs> they can make, they can rectify all that with a new guy, make it better. Michael in Chicago somehow. Halloween ends, and it could be Chicago where they're going to pick her up from college to bring her back home because the pandemic got bad. Classes are ending, bring her back home. They could do any of that, and I just wish they would. It would be a cool idea, but I honestly just, I just don't see them doing it. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't see it happening. They're going to ride a lot more than a nostalgia train, I feel like. it. But here's what's going to bother me is that every human being from the age of whenever the parents want to give them a phone up to 90 years old has a phone with a camera. Most people have Instagram. They have either Facebook. They have YouTube. They have every TikTok. They have Snap. They have everything. If they see something, plus don't forget, they already did now a disfiguration on him where he's missing his fingers. So he's not going to go unnoticed. A man in a white mask that's burned, missing his fingers... And, I mean, obviously the guy's stench is going to be awful with all that dried up blood on him. So he's not going to be able to hide anywhere. He's not going to be able to hide in his house. He's not going to hide in some other person's house because he's going to kill them because people are going to know if they're not there. So it's just going to be really hard to pull off where he's been for three years. Mm-hmm. And they got to do something to where how Michael got out of there, where he was going, so on and so on. Because they just can't keep it to where he's hiding out uh, on a rural farm in whatever part of Illinois where Haddonfield is. 
It's just not going to, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Cause like the one main thing that they were trying to drive home, pun intended for Halloween kills was the Myers house, the Myers house, Michael Myers. It's the Myers house, the Myers house. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if his goal was supposedly to always be around that area, where is he going to be now? Yeah, um, well, that's all the movies was one and two. Um, well, two, he was after Lori, that's his sister, which obviously, we know it's not true. But then four is the only movie, I think, in the entire franchise, they never brought up his house. Never showed his house, never brought it up. No. That's the only one they never brought his house up in. Um, five, they made his house like a fucking mansion. Six was similar, but still too big. Well, actually, I'm sorry, H2O, they never brought it up. Resurrection, they did, but H2O, they never showed it. So H2O and Part 4, the only two that never uh, showed the Myers house. And uh, like I said, H2O, not a big fan of it, but uh, yeah. Nah, yeah. The more I look back on it, the more I'm like, eh, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, I didn't like the Michael Myers mask in there at all. I, ju I just didn't. And then they got lazy when they did H2O on Red. They did the same kill scenes, him lurching himself down from a pipe, going behind somebody and killing them. It's like, you've done that in the one movie. Why are you doing it again in the second movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know why. You know, it's like then part four, he kills the entire police force. And then apparently the, 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 the beer-bellied redneck is uh, either Ben Tramer's father or one of the paramedics' fathers. Or it could be um, Bob's father. I mean, I'm guessing it's Bob's father, the guy who, uh, Michael, the best kill scene ever, I think, in all of them, when he stabs the guy on the wall or on the door and then tilts his head like he's looking at a butterfly collection or something. <laughs> Yeah, he did that same um, head turn when um, that one chick that was the doctor dressed up as the nurse when she accidentally shot herself in the face with the gun when he kicked the door. He did that same little head, like, huh. He did. He did. Yeah, he did. He just like, oh, like, what the hell did I just do? Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. I just like, and going back to it, actually, that, that, that leads into this too, again, with Halloween, is that all these people out there that are around everyday life, that's why I'm saying it's going to be very hard for Michael Myers to hide out somewhere. So they they back they really 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 painted themselves into a corner. Yeah, because like now they're doing a time jump, and I'm just like, now with the time jump, you got to explain why he hasn't been found in so many years. I'm telling you, man, he can't be in Haddonfield. Haddonfield's not a huge town. But also, I don't think he's the way they portrayed him in this timeline of Halloween. They don't portray him as someone who has like street smarts or is very smart. He just moves and kills, moves and stalks and kills. I'm like, he's not just gonna, like in the original one, like the same thing. Yeah. That's how he wasn't. He like, just moved to kill, move, kill. Yeah. Cause I'm like, he's not gonna have the mental capacity to be like, Oh, now I need to go hide out this one spot to make sure no one finds me. He doesn't have that mental capacity. So I'm like, how is this going to be done now? I'm curious to see how they do it, but uh, I don't have too high of hopes. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I like this one a lot, but it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. I don't know what they're going to do because they, they've honestly painted themselves into a corner really, really bad. Because what you said, the three-year time jump, where was he for those three years? Where was he hiding out? How could he hide out? Literally, if you see a guy walking around with three fingers with a white mask on. Because like, if this film played out instead of a part two of three if instead there was never a third film and they did not have this cliffhanger of him all of a sudden getting back up on his feet and slaughtering everyone that beat the show of him and have him actually be like incapacitated or killed at the end and so karen doesn't die that would have been an okay ending but now they have to stretch it out to a whole nother movie and figure out what they're going to do i just i mean i guess i don't have high hopes for the next one just for the simple fact that um i just don't know where he's going to be for three freaking years yeah well, we've got uh, about nine months or so, and we'll find out. <laughs> and they start filming what next month? I think Mar February, March. Um, if they don't start, I, I think I think they're supposed to um, roll cameras 
in uh, February from from what I heard through the grapevine. But yeah, I, I think it's about they're supposed to start filming in the next couple of weeks. I know you think Halloween Kills falls into this, which I do not think it does. It's got potential to fall into this of ruining um, the movies. Because like, was Halloween 2 the greatest sequel to Halloween? No, it could have been a lot better. Even if Laurie was his sister in that version. The movie wasn't suspenseful. They could have done a lot more things with the kill scenes in the hospital. And um, so that one was kind of, it could have been better. I didn't hate it. I liked it because it had that same feel as the first one. Halloween 4 was just atrocious. Because at the end, it could have been good where he kills the, he, she starts stabbing her mother and walks down with the clown outfit on. Mm-hmm. But that's why the name of part five was called Revenge of Michael Myers. They wanted to make sure that Michael Myers was uh, still alive, that people knew he was alive. It wasn't going to be some stupid thing like Halloween 3. And then H2O, like I said, I mean, all these ruins, because H2O could have been okay. I mean, it was H2O was okay. It wasn't awful. It was okay seeing Jamie Lee Curtis with her mother, uh, Janet Lee, which is very cool them having a scene together. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> And Janet Lee having the line in that movie, everybody's entitled to one good scare, it is Halloween. So, I mean... I think Resurrection is the worst Halloween film ever made. Oh, I think five is. Five or... Well, no, actually, that's a lie. Uh, Rob Zombie won into <laughs> Yeah, Resurrection had potential, but they just screwed the whole thing up. I think maybe the biggest, biggest change I would have done in Halloween Kills would... Then again, I would piss off my producers if I did this. I would have, instead of killing Karen in this, you can call it part two out of three, because this is the middle half of the trilogy, I would have been bold and killed off Lori, and then have it be Karen and the granddaughter going after Michael for that motivation. Like, you, not only did you kill, like, my mother, you killed, like, my husband, and all that shit, we're, we're coming after you, I'm like... I that's that would probably piss off a lot of Halloween fans, but that's what I would have fucking done. <laughs> well, the problem is though, Karen was not a likable character. Allison, very lovable, loved to be around her, perfect. Her love for her boyfriend, all, she was a great character. Karen was a very hateable character from from the, from day one. You just knew. I mean, from the first movie, you just, she was not a likable character. She just wasn't. I don't think that would have worked. Just enough. They maybe maybe if they made her a likable character, it could have. But I just... Because, uh, like, if they would have tweaked her character development a bit more in Kills after her husband having died, and we do get a couple of scenes of her, like, especially that one scene when she goes to wash her hands for the first time after getting to the hospital and she's washing her wedding ring. She stops, she stares at the wedding, wedding ring like, ah, oh, shit. And then we have the cutaway shot to her, like, crying by herself and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, good. But no, we needed did. more yeah. of that. We needed more of those scenes like this in Halloween Kills to build the character more, but we didn't get that. In the, in the first Halloween, uh, I mean, when I say first, 2018, this is how good it was. What well, I think a great job they did with the writing and characters. Her and um, Ronnie, is it's Ronnie, right? Her boyfriend was Ronnie or no? Um, All right, so his son and her get into an argument. He was not a jerk in the first one except until they got into the argument. But again, it was a misinterpretation argument. So that's what I liked about Halloween Kills was him trying to like, oh, I really screwed up, blah, blah, blah. Them seeing each other and realizing all they did was have a little spat. I mean, I'm glad they did that because you, when he died, you saw the love in her and you saw the love in him when Michael was going after her. And you saw the love in her when she saw Michael <laughs> beyond kill him. That was, that was one of the most probably brutal death scenes in any of the non-Rob Zombie Halloweens. Because, like, I remember being in the, in, in the cinema, and, like, I remember listening, like, just hearing the people around me when I was happening, and it was a lot of, like, ah, oh, ah, uh, like, yeah. before reaction, I'm like, okay, uh, well. And then when he snaps the neck, you hear, Ugh. So, yeah, that was, yeah, the only thing I didn't like was, why would Lonnie go in the house alone? That was the only thought I thought was stupid. But, like, I told you, that was the part that, yeah. like, Lonnie's a dumbass. 
I mean, and then he, the minute he goes in there, he has a gunshot. Then they run in there, and then Michael's already got the body staged inside the upstairs thing. Mm-hmm. So that, that was that was too quick. Then Michael's hiding out in the closet already. So that was like that happened with a matter of like three seconds when they ran in there. So it would have been really hard for him to do. So that was a little uh, flaw. That whole everything actually outside of the opening part of the gay couple and then the ending part of the gay couple. Everything in the Myers house was stupid. Uh, Karen walking through a crime scene, going upstairs, and how Michael got into the house during a crime scene was kind of like, how did that happen? Yeah, that was very very plain on like supernatural michael that now has the powers of zombie jason where he can almost like without doing it teleport in different places i'm like okay (laughs) the front door and back door i'm sure would be covered the yard would be looked at the house would be loaded with police looking for stuff how he walked the way they shot it with um uh uh, karen judy greer's character like we have where the shot the mid shot of her like through the window where you can see her through the window and he just steps out from behind her actual silhouette. So we never ever see him enter the room. He's just automatically teleported directly behind her when he steps out. So it's like, oh, okay. That was, I mean, it was cool how he killed. I couldn't stand her character, so I didn't mind her being killed. But, uh, I just like the actress too much. I'm like, it's Judy Greer. Oh, no, no. I love Judy. Judy Greer is a fantastic <laughs> actress. Just her character. I think Judy had to go. <laughs> or Karen had to go. Because <laughs> now I think, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see this. But I... I I'm wondering, like, when they start rolling cameras, um, what I'm going to be hearing down the grapevine, and maybe sneak out to you, like, oh, I guess what they're doing. I heard so and so said they're doing this because I, a lot of stuff, like, I, I, you know, that I learned about a lot of shit just through being in an industry, and a lot of shit just whispered through the grapevine and all that. Oh, absolutely, shit. I, I don't know my information <laughs> from you, so we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Did you have anything else to add to our little lovely Halloween discussion? Oh, um. Mm. I think I got too many negatives. <laughs> right, let me ask you this. Give me some of the positives out of the movie you liked. I gave you the negatives that I didn't like, but I still love the movie. Give me some of the positives that you liked. It was just like a few like brief moments that would have popped up here and there. Like For example, when he was staging that one um, neighbor up on his kitchen table with his wife looking at him. thought that was so cool. I would have to say also the comedy between the, 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 the gay couple. Yeah. Like how they kind of bickered like an actual older married couple. Like, I'm like, oh, that's natural. I like this. I like the scene where Michael is going after Kyle Richards' character. Lori in the hospital you liked. I, I like the fact that they kept it realistic there. Like, where she, she, she can't fucking leave the hospital. Her, her guts were ripped open. And what about the, the love between um, uh, the Elam kid and her granddaughter? I thought that was amazing in the movie, too. For me, it was just overshadowed by their really horrible dialogue lines that they had to say out loud. Like, for example, like one was like, Michael's haunted this, haunted us and our families in this town for like 40 years. Tonight we're going to kill him. And I'm just like, but your entire life you've been telling, like, everyone has been in town has been like ignoring Michael and just going, Lori, you're just crazy. Move on. And then all of a sudden just flip of a switch and now everyone's on the same level as Lori. I'm like, mm, no, don't buy it. The granddaughter was, I think, okay with her grandmother. No, she was. With Lori being the way she was. But yeah, so it's, um, it was interesting talking Halloween. You, out of five stars, I'm guessing you're giving it one and a half or two. One and a half to two stars for this one. <laughs> but then the previous one, I would, 2018, I would give three and a half. I give a solid four to um, 2018. And I would say this one, based on not all-time movies, just on horror films, specific, specifically this franchise of how they all go, I would give this one four and a quarter, four and a half. And only nostalgia-wise is why I will keep the original one five out of five for this. But I do enjoy this one just as much as I enjoy the original one. Yeah, like, I hope one thing, I, I bet they're not going to do it, 
But what I would have done for Halloween Ends is get rid of all the unnecessary subplots and keep it a straightforward, simple, directional storyline, just like the original film. And that's all you need. Oh, unfortunately, they're not going. They're going to add the pandemic and all that into there, so it's not going. I don't mm-hmm. think they get that. But we'll see. I mean, like I said, like I said, with screams, with the new scream comes out after Scream Five, Halloween Ends is going to make or break this one. It's going to make or break this trilogy. <clears throat> it just will. So they have to go in it with cautiousness and with uh, open-mindedness and figure out how to get out of this painted corner they put themselves in. Yeah, I feel like whatever way they're going to paint themselves out of the corner, I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to... It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. So that being said, you're you're a one and a half, two. Uh, I am a four and a quarter, four and a half around there. <laughs> and if you, if you do like nostalgia... You're going to love this one, especially if you know all the Halloweens. That being said, uh, I don't think we quite know what our next one's going to be, do we? No, we'll see. Like, I guess by the time you guys hit play on the next one, you'll know what it is before we do. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it could be the Friday the 13th. It could be... Sorry, we definitely got a lot... Uh, this is this podcast is going to have a lot of stuff to do, so... And we're, we're going to just play it by ear for the, ne- for the number of weeks, see how long we do it, how many episodes we want to do whenever it ends, or if it keeps going, we'll see. <laughs> and not only will Absolutely. we um, talk about um, old horror stuff from back in the day, we're also going to talk about like new stuff we might see in the theater that come out in the next year. Whatever just comes to us, we'll talk about. Yeah, we've got literally, uh, there might just be a podcast where we just come on, just randomly talk about whatever, uh, as far as regarding horror. <clears throat> so it's going to be exciting. And I hope you guys stick around with us and join us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess just, uh, again, just hit, hit that follow button and we'll see you in another week. <laughs> All right, Clinton, sign us off. You're the man. Sign us off. I guess um, you just did, kind of. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm just going to click I'm just gonna click stop recording and it's just going to bleep. <laughs> there you go. All right, thanks, everybody. And uh, thank you, Clinton. Oh, see you guys next week. All right, bye.